One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Welcome to Mystery Murdery Thingy. Are you ready? Oh my god. Are you fucking even fucking ready? Sorry. Gotta get one or two fucks in the beginning and a burp. This is raw, y'all. I just... This is raw. What is this, like, number five or something? I just had uh, (laughs) some cornflakes. Yep. Some frosted flakes. Milk makes you a little burpy, I think. Makes one a little burpy. Why didn't you bring me chocolate today? Um, I was really hoping you'd you give me some Kit Kat. I, I neither had uh, the time nor uh, the extra funds to get you some chocolate today, but okay. soon, my dear, soon. <laughs> yes, every, well, you'll have everything you want very soon. So, happy um, Wednesday. Yeah, happy fucking Wednesday. Wednesday. We love Wednesdays. Wednesday's I. Because that's the day that, day that the pod comes out. <laughs> and I, I get to see how many people listened. Ooh. I don't like to know. Don't I look at it obsessively. Chloe never has looked at it. I don't it want to look at and it. And does not want to know anything about it. But I like to see where y'all are from. You know, we're getting a lot of listens from like fucking Madison. And, uh, you know, we're getting a lot of listens from like still getting that listener in Kampala. I fucking love that. Um, shout out! Yeah, shout out! Um, oh, we you know like Tanzania. Give us a dollar. We got a we got one from India, from Egypt recently. Um, all these people should be giving us a dollar. I do want to make that clear <laughs> that we are on Patreon. Yeah, I want to know about y'all. <laughs> Hit us up. And if you give us a dollar, then we know your name, and that's like pretty fucking cool. Um, we'll be friends. We'll like become your friend for a dollar. Um, How fucked is that? <laughs> because uh, you listen to our podcast and we like really fucking appreciate it. <laughs> but um, yeah, because you know, we talk about like mysteries and shit, and we know y'all like the mysteries. The mysteries, it's right. a universal concept. I know, like who doesn't love a great mystery? Speaking of universal concepts, Mario and I have kind of been focusing on oh, like where haven't we done like a story from? And part of I, the like part of what we're doing here, we want to have 
geographical, like, representation and, like, uh-huh. representations of, like, different victim groups and, like, different kinds of mysteries, different, like, we, we want to, like, be all-encompassing, right? Yes. That's Because that's, like, yes. who we are. We like to, like, think of, of like, big or some shit. See? Right? Yeah. Because it's, like, fucking profound. No, but we had these, like, conversations. Like, we spent a year, like, thinking about this podcast, you know? And, like, what did we what did we want to do exactly? And, like, why are we doing this? And, like, what's the, like, philosophy behind it? Once I was, like, figuring out what it should, it should be called, I was like, oh this my is God. happening. <laughs> and then it was so funny how it came out, right? Like, you said it or I said it, and then we were just both, like... Well, first it was, oh, like, yeah. murdery, deathy things or something stupid like that. It was slightly different and worse. Yeah. <laughs> and then it became slightly different and better, and then that's what we went with. Also, no one had ever used it before. That was a very important factor in what we were going to choose. And it's big enough that you can suspect anything from it. Yeah. Which means we can do anything we fucking want. And that's, like I said, the whole fucking the whole point, right? We can get, like, but that's what you were saying, right? Okay. So I guess I'll go first this time. What? Yeah. I was just going to go into it. Yeah. Because you were saying that because I'm doing a story that Chloe sent me, actually. Yeah, I got it from Reddit. God bless Reddit. Reddit. You know, it's got all all the crazy things that you want. I love Reddit. I never go on there, but Chloe does. She loves it. Um, so uh, I'm doing a story today from Israel. Uh, and we've never done a story from Israel before or, like, that side of, like, the Middle East, right? So, um, yeah. Oh, I wanted to do uh, just a few corrections first. Um, so Chernobyl actually happened in 1986, my birth year on April 26th, 1985. Uh, these are just from, from the last episode. Um, okay, so I, I was, like, talking about... Wait, don't you mean 1986? Yeah, not 1985, 1986, the year I was born. Oh. Yes. Sorry, I'm, I was, like, explaining it in a confusing way. Um, okay. And what did we talk about last time? I forgot. I feel like it was so long ago. Oh, my God. Every day is like a fucking year in Trump's America, right? Yeah. <laughs> That's what everyone says. It's such a cliche now. I feel like I, I seriously do, though. What what happened? Um, last week, um, we talked about... <laughs> do we have to fucking look it up from last week? <laughs> um, let's just look at oh, A Missing Mary, Mary Dofour, and Annihilation in Austin. Oh, yeah, I did yeah, the, yeah. Mary I mean, we're Dofour. just talking about the, uh, Annihilate, the Serving Girl Annihilator again. Um, that was fucked up. Yeah, that's, like, one of the most, like, brutal um, stories, like, true crime stories I think I've ever read about. Like, it's in fucking sane. Um, what happened again? No, I'm just kidding. Oh, my God. Yeah, let me do the entire episode. So, anyway, uh, at the end of the episode, when I did my weird shit in the news, it was about the radioactive wolf, right? And I was saying this thing about how, oh, it could walk 250 miles if it just walked 10 miles a day for two weeks. That makes no sense because there's only 14 days in two weeks and that's 140 miles. So obviously you need about a month to go that long if you're doing, I don't know how fast a fucking wolf walks or a radioactive wolf or whatever, but yeah, I'm like pretty bad at math. So, um, anyway, (laughs) um, also the MLB was founded in 1903, not 1906. So no one gives a shit about any of that, but I just, I'm kind of anal about Validation. Like, yeah, that's why I listen to the episodes multiple times, so I can pick out <laughs> the small fucking shit that I get wrong, and then correct it. I like to listen to myself talk. 
I've, I've like, so gotten used to listening to myself talk. I, like, kind of like it now. Also, I'm, like, fucking conceited, so... No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I, no, I no, hope. no, no, no. I hope That's, I'm like, kidding. That's, like, the point. Right, okay. We started a podcast to present our own egos to the world. That's true. That's true, because when we had conversations, we would be like, oh, yeah, wouldn't, um, like, tons of other people love listening to what we're talking about right now? You know? Yeah, I like, genuinely thought so. And we were... Right. Because <laughs> we're great conversationalists. And we're a great couple. Okay, we're, yeah, we are. This episode is uncut, also unedited, also very raw. It's pretty loose. So it's a little loose, a little looser than you might be used to if you've listened to a lot of other Loosey ones. Goosey-goosey. So, but I'm going to actually start now. Okay, so my story for loose this week. Loose like a slip knot. <laughs> yes, Lo- loose like um, something which has a lot of slack. Well, that was terrible. <laughs> Part I would have cut out. So I am doing the murder of Tyre Rada. Um, very sad Wait, story. Sh- okay. Oh, I think, was that Mozzie? Do you hear that? Yeah, <laughs> I think that was Mozzie. <laughs> Mozzie's the cat. One of the two. He's not my cat. He's, He's my roommate's cat. So Chloe's roommate has two cats, which I love. Bestad and Mozzie. Uh, Mozzie is very... Um, Neurotic and vocal. Mozzie's a little shit. He walked into my room today. He, he like, doesn't... Excuse me. Hello. Can I help you? He doesn't really like people. Mostly. He thinks he can do whatever the fuck he wants. And and Bestet kind of dominates him. She, uh, she kind of like... She's uh, mean. She's kind of mean. That's what Zave yeah. says. Yeah, but I, I like her. <laughs> I know. Bestet's my favorite. Yeah. We, we kind of hang out more, so... Yeah, we chill more, you know? Yeah, you know? Because I'm a cat guy. Because... You know, it's awesome. Okay. So, okay, let me actually no. tell the story. Okay. No. Are okay. you that? No. <laughs> Please, let me get to the fucking story. Okay, I'm story. sorry. I'm sorry. That's okay. <laughs> um, yeah, great meowing. I mean. <laughs> okay, stop. This That's is, my meow. This is uncut, so. <laughs> Unedited. And raw. <laughs> um, so, I am doing the murder of, as I said, Tyre Rada. Okay, serious now, serious. And now I've got my serious face on. Okay. So on December 6th, 2006, Tyre Rada, who was a 13-year-old girl, went missing. So she had been seen outside kind of skipping her last period of, of the day that day um, at about 1.20, 1.15 p.m. Wow, she's skipping. Uh, to, Just to hang out with her friends. Just like a normal kid does sometimes, right? Just like skips a class. Yeah. Um, but she was still, like, hanging out, like, on the grounds, like, on this little grassy area. Yeah. That was, like, right outside the school building. And this was in uh, Katsrin, Israel, uh, which is in the Golan Heights. And there, um, you know, was an extensive surge by her family and, like, everyone in the community and the police when she just, like, didn't show up, you know, at home that night. Her mom was, like, really distressed. Her Her dad, like, they eventually went to the school and, like, looked for her. No one could find her, like... They're looking out in the woods. There's, like, you know, hundreds of people. And this is only a community of about 7,000. So it's, like, a small town. Um, And, like, all the police just, like, searching everywhere. So eventually some of the neighbors uh, who were part of the search party decided to go back into the school and do, like, another, like, really thorough search of the high school. Because I guess high school starts earlier than or there or something. Um, and they eventually searched one of the girls' bathrooms in the school and found a locked bathroom stall. Yeah. 
not a good sign. Um, what they found in the stall when they did eventually get it open was Tiger's body. What? Her throat had been slit twice with a serrated blade. What the fuck? And there were also cuts on her face, her torso, and her hands, including some cuts that appeared to be post-mortem. So, a, you know, brutal, you know, bloody, horrible killing of a 13-year-old girl inside of her high school. Even the police chief, who had been on the job like 20 years or the, at that point or something, said that he was horrified by this, like, really brutal killing. Like, it's also bizarre. Very bizarre. Like, who, when like, have you ever heard of, like, a high school student just getting randomly, like, single murdered within a high school? Yeah, what the fuck? Yeah. Um, so, you know, obviously, oh, like, the town, the high school students, like, everyone is, like, super traumatized. I mean, we're, like, used to this now, right? Like, after, you know, uh, Newtown or, or Parkland or, you know, um, Columbine or, like, any of these school yeah, shootings. Yeah, but this is... But, the, and, and again, you have to remember, this is in, just like those, right, in a small town. Like, there's this not a lot of crime here. 2008? This there? was in 2006, yeah, December 6th, 2006. Um, so, yeah, the, the town is, like, really, you know, um, traumatized. The high school students, you know, don't want to be there. Um, there's a lot of conspiracies and rumors flying about, um, you know, just all over the place about, like, the high school students and, and just, like, everything else. And at first, the police also think that it, like, might have been some kids, right? Like, um, you know, um, what's that movie, um... Uh, 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 not Rachel's, but um, Heather's. Um, that movie oh. Heather's, you know, like that sort of thing, where there's like a conspiracy. Rachel. I don't know why I said Rachel's. I don't know. <laughs> I'm not thinking of anyone in particular. <laughs> if your name's Rachel, I'm sorry. But um, Heather's, where it's like you know a conspiracy, like of a like psychotic fucking high school kid just to like murder yeah. these other kids, right? Yeah. Um. So that was kind of the police's first thought, but that didn't really go anywhere. Nona um, Ryder. Right, Winona Ryder, fine performance by Winona Ryder, and a super babe. Um, Way too good for fucking, what's his name? Who was that actor that played the other character? The main main guy? But he's like a famous actor. I forget his name. Anyway, so they didn't really investigate the high school student angle all that much either. Like, there were kind of like some things that came out later that were a little bit fishy that they didn't really get into. So just keep that in mind. Um, But they did round up some, you know, kind of usual suspects type guys, right? A homeless guy, the school gardener, um, but they both had, like, really solid alibis for the the date. And then they detained who the police saw as their main suspect. And this was a man named Roman Zadarov. And he was uh, detained on December 11th. Now... Uh, it's Roman, quick, isn't it? Mm, pretty quick, but y- you have to understand that when this happened, there was, I mean, such a media and like sensation and images of like um, Tyre's mom, Ilana, like you know, saying on TV, like, um, "What do you mean you don't know? Like, what you what do you mean you don't have any answers? This is my daughter. She's dead. Like, what are you doing?" Um, just like you know, berating the police, like, in front of the cameras. 
Which, I mean, obviously, like a grieving mother, how else would you expect her to, you know, I mean, that's what she should be doing, right? I'm not criticizing her. But um, it puts a lot of pressure on the police who may or may not understandably, like, have a reason for not knowing anything, like, two days after the murder, right? Like, these things kind of take a little bit of time, usually. And by all indications, like, the police chief and everyone was, like, doing, like, hard work, right? Um, so December 11th, like, five days later or so, you know, by this point, yeah, the the case had been, like, kind of going on for a little while in the eyes of, like, the people of Katsrin, right? Um... And they detained this guy, Roman Zadarov, who uh, was a Ukrainian immigrant who had been doing some uh, tiling work in the school. So he was kind of like a, like a day laborer kind of guy, you know. And apparently his uh, work permit was not legitimate. Hmm. So um, he was apparently there on kind of forged documents. And, but he had only been in Israel like a pretty short time. I think like uh, two or three years or something. But he had already married a woman there. So he had some roots in the community. And actually, he had just had a baby like a week before the murder happened. Oh, wow. Yeah. So uh, there's some different stuff, you know, going on with with Zadarov. Um, And apparently, he was seen as kind of an outcast in the school because he was, you know, this like kind of foreigner who was here on like a work permit. um, Didn't really know, you know, Hebrew very well. Um, he was just kind of seen as a kind of like an outcast, an outsider. You know, apparently nobody talked to him in like the teacher's lounge, you know. The students like kind of apparently like according to some people would like make fun of him and like, mm. you know, not treat him super well. Um, and he was also pretty into knives. Like Ooh. he had knives like... Um, it's creepy. Yeah, so his wife talked about how he has knives, like, hanging up in the house on, like, you know, pieces of cloth. J- just <gasps> as, like, I mean, it doesn't, it, I mean, yes, it is creepy and it is a bit weird because they're weapons, right? But you could also see it as having just, like, uh, a really, a, a, an appreciation of, like, a fine object, right? Which happens to be Yeah, that makes sense. So they can be pretty. Yeah, I mean, I I don't want to like prejudge him too much just because he's like super into knives. I think it's because the context but, we're talking about. I'm like automatically like, oh, that's gross. Exactly, like, exactly. Yeah. Um, but that's certainly how the police reacted, right? Yeah. When yeah. they hear about that, they're like, oh, oh, okay, oh, he's super into knives. Oh, okay, yeah, I think we're on the right path here. Like he wasn't liked in the school. Okay, I think things are kind of like coming into focus, right? And was also very suggestive to the police was that Zadarov actually got rid of the pants he, that he was wearing on the day of the murder. How do they know that? Because he told them. Oh. They were like, show us the clothes you were wearing on the day of the murder. And he's like, well, I got rid of the pants. And he had this story that was like not super credible about why he did that. So that was always kind of like a little unresolved. It's like a little mystery within the mystery. As I like to say. I feel like you say that <laughs> a lot. I say it, like, at least 18 times an episode. <laughs> so get ready. Get used to it. <laughs> I'm going to keep doing it. No, I'll probably stop because it's getting annoying. <laughs> but uh, I just want to do it. Wait, mystery. A mystery within the mystery. Oh, that's so original. Oh, no one's ever said that before, like Mario. you like a professor or something. <laughs> I can be very professor Sounds like what a professor would say. That's true. I've, I've, uh, people have told me that many times that I sound like a professor. <laughs> I'm working on it. 
Um, so the police, um, of course, brought Zadorov in for questioning. Uh, they interrogated him, you know, for hours, including using, like, different police kind of ploys. So I don't know if everyone's, like, aware, but the police are, like, allowed to lie to you. Like, in America and Israel yeah, and, like, yeah. m- pretty much every country in the world. And there's a sort of good reason for that, right? Because, you know, it gets people to confess. But, but, I think one can also say that there's also a good reason not to do it, right? Or maybe many good reasons. Maybe, like, a lot more good reasons <laughs> than the one, you know, sort of okay reason for not doing it. I, that's my... I'm just editorializing here. I feel like the police maybe should just be honest with people and, like, try to do honest police work to find out the truth. <laughs> but, you know, they do sometimes I feel like work. It's a, it's a tricky, tricky subject. It's gray. I'm not going to say that it's not a gray area and that they don't have good reasons, I'm sure, for doing it that they could tell me about. But it it, it just seems like a dangerous game, right? And I think we'll see why in this in this case, right? So police, um, you know, kind of told uh, Zadarov that they did find blood on his belongings, on his tools, on his clothes he was what? wearing that day, and they had not found anything, right? So I want to be very clear at the very outset <laughs> that there was no DNA evidence linking Zadarov to oh, the crime. Oh, that was the lie. Okay. This is the story that they made up when they were interrogating him, okay? So... They were telling him that there was blood and they were saying, like, okay, what about that? Like, her blood was found in your clothes. Like, explain that to us, right? Mm, yeah. And at first he was just saying, like, oh, no, that's impossible. Like, no, they, it couldn't be. Like, that's impossible. Strongly, strongly denying it, like, for a while. But after the police give him a night to stew, right, in, uh, in you know, solitary or whatever – he tells the police that he probably picked up the blood that he saw in the men's room on the day of the murder, which he had just remembered that there was blood in the men's room for some reason. And it was on the floor a little bit. And it was Men on, menstruate. Yeah. You know, it was from menstruation. I'm sure <laughs> maybe two guys were having a, you know, friendly game of bloody knuckles in the bathroom as you do. And, you know, some of it spilled over, splashed onto the, as you do, you know, as you do, um, I want to, yeah, I have not played Bloody Knuckles since I was, like, seven, but okay. <laughs> um, so the story seemed implausible, right? That's what I'm getting at, right? So they kept questioning him about it and asking him, you know, where does he think they found blood on his stuff? And he says, well, maybe it could be on the shoes because there was some on the floor. Maybe it could be on his sleeve, um, you know, because there was some on the handle. And uh, maybe it could have been on his knife, did he have one while he was on the job? Yeah, he had a utility knife when he was on oh, the job. Oh, okay, okay. Now we, so a knife that makes sense, not like a, a... A knife does make sense, but the particular kind of knife will become very important. What the police also did, another like little ploy that they used, pretty extensive, big ploy actually, was using a cellmate informant. Mm. So this was a guy who pretended to be and was actually a former criminal... Who actually gets paid apparently like 12,000 shekels if he extracts a confession from – which I assume is a lot of money uh, because I'm – you know, Israel's got a good economy. Um, You know, if he extracts a confession. So he's basically like trying to do anything he can to like get a confession from the person that he's like in there with, right? Yeah. That's a little – It's a Yeah, it's a little shady. It's pretty 
pretty fucking shady. So Zadarov yeah. does reveal to him that they, uh, quote, pissed him off at the school. And also that he, Zadarov, sometimes does bad things and doesn't remember them. Uh, so, yeah, that's red a flag. little red flag. Yes. Red flag. Um, reow, reow. Um, so he, <laughs> that was the siren to go with the red flag. Yep. Um, so then he, yep. um, there, there's also this instance where this happened where he brutally beat his brother in Russia and didn't remember it afterwards. So apparently there is this time where that, that actually did happen. And then he said, maybe I did kill her. It's possible. What? Maybe I killed her and I just don't remember. Like they they found this evidence, like. You know, and the of course the informant was telling him like, "Oh no, the police can't make up evidence." Like, no, this isn't the KGB. Like, this is Israel. You can't make up evidence. Like, they would, they can't lie to you. When uh, of course that's not at all true. That's just another lie because he's working with the police. <laughs> but you know, Zadarov thinks like, okay, you know, if you're in like, think about it. If you were in his head, right? And assuming he didn't actually do it, you're thinking like, okay, well. They found DNA evidence. DNA evidence doesn't lie, right? We all know that. It's perfectly sound. So maybe, I don't know. I did have that one time with my brother where I blacked out and, like, beat him really bad. Maybe yeah, I did do so it. so you could be like, oh, like, I don't know. Like, yeah, maybe. And then you start, like, doubting yourself and, like, your own memory. And, like, oh, maybe, I don't know, maybe I lost an hour and I just, like, didn't... There's a word for that. Is there? Gaslighting. Oh, yeah, gaslighting. Exactly. So Zadarov does eventually decide to confess to the cellmate informant. The informant extracts his 12,000 shekels from Zadarov in a sense, right, so to speak. He also, um, Zadarov does reenacts the murder um, in the cell, mock slashing the informant's throat twice. Now, whether or not the police had told him about the twice or not is sort of in contention. So read into that, but maybe take it with a bit of a grain of salt as well. Um, so... He also eventually decides to confess to the actual police because he didn't know, of course, that the cell was being, you know, taped. Um, so he thought he had just told this other guy who was like another criminal. Right. Yeah. yeah. Until they revealed to him that like, oh, no, yeah, he's actually working with us. And what Zadarov also did was a detailed reenactment at the scene of the crime itself, which was also taped. And he showed the police how he jumped out of the locked bathroom stall. So what he showed was that he like you know, killed her and then placed her down, like, on the side of the toilet and then got up onto the toilet and kind of, like, hooked his um, feet on the um, on the uh, the bathroom uh, stall door and then kind of jumped out from there. Okay. So d- d- I know that was, like, a very sort of specific rundown. J- just keep that in mind. Um, we'll we'll kind of go over why that's important later. So, I'm sorry, I, I keep doing that this episode, but um, it's like we're, we'll get into the investigation and stuff. So anyway, he does that detailed reenactment, and uh, at that point, apparently, and this is also kind of in contention, the police had not told him that tire that the the door was locked, that Tyre's body mm. was found in. Okay, but we don't know for sure. But we don't know for sure. But uh, obviously, Zadarov's family um, and the actual family of the victim, like like Tyre's family, were not really convinced that Zadarov did it at that point. And Zadarov's lawyers, which are a husband and wife team named uh, David and Galil Spiegel, were also, like, very, of course, not convinced. Spiegel and Spiegel. Spiegel and Spiegel. And they are, like, 
they seem like really awesome. Like, um, I'll, I did, I like, uh, did a lot of my research from a Netflix documentary called Shadow of Truth. And when they're talking, it's just like so like emphatic. And like, they both have this way of speaking where it's like, you can tell that they're trial lawyers. <laughs> and they're like really good at it. <laughs> it's like kind of entertaining. <laughs> Plus, they're speaking in Hebrew. And so it's like fun to hear a different language. So, uh, police claim, again, not with any truth to it, that they do actually have DNA evidence linking them, uh, linking Zadarov to the crime. They, they like, claim that at the very beginning, but they, they never actually produced any DNA evidence. That's... So, again, that's the thing with the DNA evidence. It doesn't actually exist in this case um, in the way that they say that it, it did at the beginning. So, there was, yeah, no physical evidence linking Zadarov to the crime even though there was an extensive search of his belongings, including his wedding ring, which just happened to be this kind of like kind of unique uh, type of wedding ring where it was two rings kind of fastened together. Okay. So what they did was they had a jeweler actually take them apart, you know, because they're not like hermetically sealed, right? Okay. To see if there was any of Tyre's DNA trapped in between the two rings. Oh, wow. Where, oh, that's, like, right? very extensive. Yeah, like I said, the police kind of did a good job in this case, even though, you know, we'll see that it's, like, not totally solved. But um, they didn't find anything. They didn't find any of Tyre's DNA trapped between the two rings. And then Zadar's lawyers also started to poke holes in the confession, claiming that it was a coerced confession or a forced confession. That's... Which kind of what I was thinking. Exactly. With forced confessions, coerced confessions, like, they are very much a thing in real life. And it's, like, always, it's always after they've been in there for a while and they just, like, want to go right, home. Right. It follows a very specific pattern. Like, the police continue to ask you the same question over and over again. At first, you deny it very emphatically. And then eventually, they ask you a ton of times and they subtly feed you information that yep. they want yep. you to give back to them in order to give what they say is the truth. So anything that they don't want, any information that they don't want, they say is lies. And any information that they do want, they'll subtly hint it at you or tell it to you and then say that that's the truth. And that if you tell the truth, things will go easier on you. Again, the police are allowed well, to I, lie to you. You are telling – that's the whole – and that's why, like, plea bargaining is fucked up and stuff. like. But anyway, right. that's a whole other – And and that more than 90% of cases in America end in plea bargains. Yeah. Moving on. Also, the bail system's fucked up. Anyway, <laughs> this is not... We've That's gotten a whole very, class on that. We've gotten very off topic. <laughs> hey, criminology is super interesting. Um, okay, so getting back to the case. Um, so obviously, Zadarov's lawyers, they think that it was a worse confession. They retract the confession. They also point to Zadarov's cell phone records, which show that he was actually on the phone at 1.23 p.m. on the day of the murder. With his uh, employer asking him to bring more glue for the tiling. And that's the exact time when the murder is supposed to have occurred. And we know that because there were kids who saw Tyre walking up the stairs to the bathroom at right about that time. Why this is important is because that gives Zadarov an alibi. If he was outside on the phone with his employer, then he wasn't inside murdering Tyre. Kids said they saw him walking up those stairs to the bathroom. Yeah, but that wasn't credible. Okay. Kids all... What I said was that they saw her. They saw Tyre walking up. Oh, okay. Right. There, there, there was a kid who did say um, that she saw uh, a man 
walking up the stairs behind Tyre, but the sketch that she gave of the man and the description she gave did not match Zadarov. So um, there, that did actually come into play what you said, but it, it like didn't really support their their case, the the uh, prosecution's case. Um, so the cellmate informant also did a lot of this work of like subtly feeding Zadarov the information that they then got him to regurgitate back to the police. Classic. And yes, yeah, so, so this is just classic forced confession behavior, right? Um, there were also some problems with the reenactment. Um, the, so at first, Zadarov was going to lead them up to the second floor. So the, the way the school is laid out, right? There's the ground floor, then there's a mezzanine, which is kind of in between, and then there's a second floor. And there's a bathroom on the mezzanine level, and then also on the second floor level. So Zadarov was going to walk them all the way up to the second floor when they told him to go to the crime scene, right? Because he knew it was in a bathroom. And then they uh, kind of stopped him and were kind of fiddling with his uh, cuffs as if there was something wrong. And then they sort of, like, led him to the right bathroom. And he sort of saw that there was, like, this paper on it that said, like, crime scene. So that was an issue, right? He, He seemed to have not exactly known where it happened. So... Let's get back to the specifics that I mentioned earlier as well. So, like I said, when he reenacted it, he said that he had uh, dropped her down on the side of the toilet. She was not found on the side of the toilet. She was found sitting on the toilet. Uh, secondly, the um, way in which he reenacted getting out of the stall, the locked stall, he went onto the toilet and then jumped uh, up with his uh, legs hooked around the bathroom stall door. Which is it? Which is. Which is not how it actually happened. How we know that that's is because... That's really hard to do. Right. Um, but how we know that that's not how the murderer got out was because there were three bloody uh, prints found. One on the stall, or sorry, one on the toilet and, um, uh, seat, and then one on the top of the toilet, and then one um, handprint on the side, um, like on the left. So what the murderer did was they put one foot on the toilet um, uh the, the the seat or the seat cover. I don't know why I can't talk right now. And then they put their other foot up onto like the top of the toilet, and then they hoisted themselves over the side, went oh. into the other stall, which was unlocked, okay. and then walked out of that stall. Okay, okay, okay. Not the way that he did it. I feel like the way he did it is much more complicated. Right, and would also really have only been possible if you were like a full grown man, right? Not like a high school person, right? Because, yeah. again, you know, just thinking, like, okay, you know, if he didn't do it, who did, right? Um, but we'll get into, like, the theories and stuff. Um, okay, and then third was the knife. So he claimed, uh, or kind of they claimed that he had done it with his utility knife, which is a straight blade. What um, we know from various experts who looked at the wounds is that uh, Tyre's throat was slit with a serrated blade. Like, they said it was a classic, like, textbook um, example of a serrated blade wound. And you can actually see, you know, very clearly where there's like one, two, three, four, five, like little indents from the serrated blade before the, the slit opens yeah. up right in her throat. And again, you know, we're, we're talking like technical, like medical examination kind of stuff here. Obviously, you know, this is a person, uh, they were a victim. Like we don't want to lose their humanity in this, right? Tyre yes. was like this, bubbly wonderful person that like everyone loved she was like the fucking queen bee of her school right um but you know i I just want to make clear like what actually happened because 
again, these things are pointing away from Zadarov. Let's just keep that in mind. So Zadarov's trial then began on July 2nd, 2007. So just about um, a year after the crime had occurred. And despite the lack of physical evidence linking Zadarov to the crime and what everyone acknowledges is someone else's footprints at the scene, those bloody footprints we were just talking about, and all the foot fingerprints and hairs that also don't match Zadarov, and that Zadarov claimed, again, to have used a straight utility blade, even though, even though it was a serrated blade that was actually used, um, Zadarov was convicted. What? By a panel of three judges. And his wow. appeal was also denied by the Supreme Court of Israel <gasps> two to one. Wow. And then it was denied actually years later as well. So obviously Zadarov's family did not think that this was the case. Now, by the end of the trial, um, uh, Tahir's parents did think that he was guilty, but they've since kind of changed their minds on that again. But there was also, excuse me, um, there was also a large Facebook group that was set up uh, supporting uh, Zadarov. Um, because a lot of people, like, did not think that the case, like, exactly added up. And these people, you know, basically were doing a lot of, you know, rumor-mongering, um, but also just kind of giving support to Zdarov and pointing out, like, how it was probably a forced confession and things like that. But it wasn't just, like, internet people who were, like, looking into this, right? There was also a private investigator named Haim Sadovsky, who also became convinced that the true killer is, like, still out there. Wow. And, um, you know, continued to investigate along with, like, some of the um, the scientific investigators, you know, for the state. And, uh, you know, other just kind of, like, um, you know, uh, amateur sleuths, right? And uh, Tyre's mom also came to believe that it wasn't Zadarov, but that it was high school kids that were involved. Which is kind of the other main theory of the case, right, from the very beginning. And what like, she that is like so sick. I know. As yeah. like a high schooler to do that. Oh my god. To another high schooler. I feel like I that's even more chilling. Yeah. You're right. It's it's more horror movie ish. Yeah. Um, but you know sometimes life is like a horror movie. I mean, literally. You know. I mean, that's part of like this whole true crime mystery thing, right? It's to, like, really explore, like, what's really out there. Like, what are people actually capable of in real life? Because, gotta tell you, it, it's scarier and freakier than any movie you could ever watch. Like, I know you're afraid of horror movies, but, like, this stuff is actually scary because this actually happened. <laughs> like, The Servant Girl Annihilator actually happened. Jeez. You know, at, at the, yeah. Um, so anyway, um... Ilana, Tyre's mom, did give some names, uh, particularly one name to Sadovsky, the private investigator, who started to look into these things, right, and started to find some holes in the testimony of some of the kids, including things about, Wait, you know... kids testified? Oh, yeah, they, there were a lot of kids who testified. They were, like, the main, like, source of, you know, um, like, eyewitness testimony. How reliable I'm, is that? Well, that's part of it, right? And they seem guess, to have yeah, not been entirely reliable. That's the question, really. <laughs> that's the question, exactly. Because the kids can be the most truthful ones, but, you know, they can also be... Right, and they could hide stuff for a totally stupid reason. Yeah. You know, or they could be hiding things because they murdered their friend. You know, who, who knows? knows? Who knows? 
could be. It's always just out of reach down the buck on a beach. What's that? Uh, it's from um, West Side Story. Anyway, so what um, Haim also learned was that the um, theater class that Tyre had, which was just before she died, she was apparently, like, very withdrawn. She was, like, sitting on the side of the class, just, like, looking down, like, not participating, which was very unusual for her. Like, she was super into everything. Um, she was super bubbly. She was, like, very into acting and to singing and to uh, especially dancing. She was, like, a really good dancer. Um, so this was, like, really weird, right? And her theater teacher went over to her and was like, you know, hey, what's up? Like, are you okay? Like, what's going on? And Tyre said that she was, quote, afraid of death. So did she know? That's the thing, right? And if she did, then does it link into some kind of, like, bigger rivalry or like kind of conspiracy or something going on at the school that we've just never learned about, you know, because it kind of was kept within like those people who like were in the high school. Right. That would be even crazier. What, um, Haim Sadovsky also learned was that there was an 18 year old guy named Avi that had been harassing and threatening Tyre because she didn't want to become, uh, his girlfriend, which is fucking sick. And, the catch with that one is that the police couldn't really find any evidence for it. So it may have just been one of these kind of like high school kid rumors. Yeah. Like we were just talking about, like they're yeah. not always that reliable. So that's an instance where like it may not actually have happened. And they may have also just been using it to cover something else up. Like we really don't know. Sadovsky also believed uh, came to believe that there were multiple attackers who were of a similar age to Tyre. One of the pieces of evidence he had for that was that there were actually seven uh, small wounds found on the back of Tyre's head, which kind of always went unexplained. Like, the prosecution didn't even really, like, mention them. And that adults wouldn't have used a knife to kill her. They would have just overpowered her. She was, like, 4'10 and, like, 90 pounds. Like, she was a tiny yeah. girl. Um, so, you know, it makes more sense if they used a knife that it would have been, like, someone kind of her own age. Hmm. So he thinks, kind of his theory of the... That's a good point. It is kind of a good point, right, when you think about it. Um, so his kind of theory of the case was that other kids may have been jealous of Tyre, who, like I said, was, like, you know, kind of the, you know, the, the most popular girl in school. Right. She was, like, the queen bee of the school. And her mother, Ilana, fixated on this one little girl who was kind of always in competition with Tyre. They were, like, oh, rivals, shit. right? They were, like, enemies. Um, and their families didn't like each other either. So their families were enemies. Mm. So, you know, Ilana thinks, That's well... That's even a whole other level. Exactly. Because then somebody else could, you know, be responsible. Yeah, within exactly. Within Yeah, it might even, like, go even further, right, into, like, family dynamics or oh, family shit. rivalries and shit. Um, so the other thing about this little girl was that she left town for a few days right after the murder happened and told the police that she didn't know of any kids who had left town after the murder, even though she full well knew that she did. So that was also weird, right? Like, why would you do that? And the Facebook group that we talked about earlier also fixates mostly on, like, Tyre's classmates as the suspects. Now, they deny any wrongdoing, um... And the police have never even, like, accused them of anything. You know, any of them. 
but they do get like a lot of harassment online like from the people on facebook mostly wow and then um so it's about six years after the murder happened right um zadarov's been in jail for several years a mysterious man who's only identified as ah in the press to protect his identity comes forward and says that actually he knows who did kill tyre and it wasn't Roman Zadovsky or um, Zadarov, rather. It was his girlfriend, AK, who had actually confessed that she was the true murderer of Tayurata and showed him her blood-soaked clothes from the day of the murder. So is this girl... Wait, she who... went... Is this a random girl? No, she went to the school at the time. Oh. Yeah, and now this is six years later. They're still dating. They've been dating since high school. And apparently she, or at least according to AH, she confessed to be Tyre's true murderer. Like, that she couldn't take it anymore. She just had to get it off her chest, right? Kind of thing. And then AH contacts a lawyer, contacts Zadarov's attorneys, of course, and then contacts the police. And what he says is that she was, like, really into blood in, like, a very weird way. And also into being a she-wolf. What? Yeah. So apparently she's got a lot of weird kind of kinks. And according, this is according to her boyfriend again. Um, and like weird shit going on with like blood and she-wolf. I mean, and no like shame. And demons and shit. No shame. Which but, is totally cool. I mean, But if, you don't kill people, you know? <laughs> if that's what you're into and uh, you drink pig's blood and, you know, you, you like you know, doing cosplay in a wolf costume, like, that's awesome. Like, you're an interesting person, and I love you. Um, as long as you're not hurting yourself or anyone else in any way, it's totally fine, right? But with AK, it seems to have gone further, including what AH says was her way of uh, getting a little relaxation, right? She would do a little sort of guided imagery, you know, with herself, in which she would... Um, picture herself just like floating, just you know, relaxed, uh, in a enormous pool of blood. What? Yeah, just a, a mat, the, you know, a lake full of blood, and I'm just, just laying there. That was just, her like fantasy. Mm, that was that was her happy place. You know, like, you know, like Happy Gilmore, like go to your happy place, Happy. That was her happy place. And A.H. further says... Uh, is, she it, like, is she, like, anonymous in, like, a blacked-out shadow and, like, with a covered voice and stuff? Well, she's not in it, but he is, oh. yes. His face is, like, covered up with the shadow, yeah. mostly, although it's you can see a little bit on the sides. Um, and his voice is, like, not uh, masked or anything. So um, A.H., the masked man we were just talking about, also says in that Netflix documentary, Shadow of Truth, that apparently A.K.'s... Very weird, very sadistic grandpa actually took her to an active battlefield. What? Possibly naked when she was a young girl. And she was super cold, so he put her, and it's not totally clear, but either in a wolf or maybe a human dead body (gasps) to keep her warm. Yeah. Again, this is according to A.H., her, her boyfriend. pretty damaging. Yeah. And, and this also kind of sets up, like, the psychological, you know, framework for what we're t- talking about, right? Where she's into, like, this she-wolfism or, 
into like dis you know disemboweling people and shit like that. Um, so again, AK also went to the school where this happened at the time, and according to AH, she meticulously planned the murder, including dressing up with a wig, bringing gloves to the school and a change of clothes, and a serrated knife. Yeah, which she was caught with. So we know that she did carry a knife because she was actually arrested in 2006 for carrying an illegal hunting knife. Yeah. So that's pretty suggestive. Um, so, you know, again, this whole thing with, like, the grandpa and the blood and, like, it's very fantastical, right? It's, like, a lot. So the makers of the Netflix doc uh, did put A.H. to a polygraph test. Uh, actually, I think, it, like, three of them. And he passed them, all of them. Now, polygraph tests are not perfect, but, you know, it's something. So Zadarov and his lawyers took this info and they asked the police to start investigating A.K., so a, they bring AK in for questioning. She's very, you know, kind of innocuous looking, and she denies everything that AH said about her, like, up and down. Like, oh, that's ridiculous. Like, what? I love blood? Like, what are you talking about? And she says that AH is really only doing this to get back at her for breaking up with him. And also that he abused her. Mm. Like, including sexually. So both AH and AK are put under house arrest. They get out after about five days, and then AK is actually arrested for attempting to stab a guy and then going into a seizure and trying to bite a policeman. AK is the girl? AK is the girl. Oh my... Yeah. So that's something that happened between the time when she got out of house arrest and then it was a separate crime that she was being arrested for, like, the next day or something. Um, it all, like I said, also turned out that she had had that arrest warrant for the illegal knife back in 20, uh, 2006 and, uh, a further interrogation with her, uh, found, or she kind of told them in that interrogation that she did in fact like to kill people and wanted to take out their innards, what? which is very hard work according to her and that she liked to crawl inside of them because then she can have quote, a little peace of mind. Again, AK's uh, relaxation techniques for, you know, the serial killer who's a little stressed out. I don't, I don't know about that. <laughs> Is that like some kind of class you can take at the park to stress? Right. <laughs> no, th that would be, um, you know, like, um, I don't know, an advertisement in uh, Serial Killer Monthly or something. <laughs> if there were such a thing. Just some morbid humor for you guys uh, to break up the gore Did here. She, was she like a cannibal too? There's some of that too, yes. Ah! Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and this gets into the fact that, you know, of course, there's this she-wolf demon that's possessing her. So how could it be her fault? It's the she-woman demon God. that's possessing her. You know, like, it makes her want to eat people. What what can she do? Um, so anyway, <laughs> the you know, because of all of this ranting and raving and the trying to bite the policeman and so forth, the police do commit her to a psychiatric um, facility. Yeah, she needs help. Instead of charging her. And she was never charged with Tayorada's murder. Um, A.H. is also arrested for obstruction of justice and sexual assault. The police kind of strong-arm him, um, they want to, into retracting his statements about Tayorada's murder, including saying that they'll drop all the charges against him if he does do that. Uh, A.H. totally refuses. He does not retract his testimony, and his pleas are ignored by the courts. Um, AK is forcibly committed in 2012 and there she actually 
according to a friend of her roommate's, confesses to Tyre's murder. Now, unfortunately, the roommate and the woman who gave this information to a lawyer both committed suicide. Yeah, the roommate first, and then May Peleg, the friend of the roommate, both committed suicide after telling, and May did it like after Like on the t- same day or something? No, but pretty close to one another. And it's very mysterious as to why that happened, or if it's like just a coincidence, or like, what the hell's up with that? So basically, AK confesses, according to the roommate, to Tiger's murder, they also and then... had something to do with it. I don't know, maybe, I don't know. It's, it's all very strange. And then um, two days, uh, it was two days after telling the lawyer that, um, that May Peleg, the, the friend of the roommate, uh, committed suicide. And then AK was actually released from the psychiatric facility in 2015. Uh, now, Zadarov does remain in jail, although he continues to profess his insen- innocence. Tyre's mother, Ilana, wants the investigation reopened, but the police are not going to do that. Um, so basically, we're left with a lot of mystery. <laughs> yeah. That was a good one. It, uh, yeah, I was I really glad you sent it to me. How like deep it was. I know. There's like so many different like angles and like and after going through all of it, like I really do think it was probably AK. I mean, that seems like the most plausible thing. Um, but you know, again, it's a mystery. Um, but here, let me do my sources. Yes, yes, yes. Yes, got to do this. Yes. Um, no, no Wikipedia this time. Um, I mean, I did some Wikipedia searching for some background info, but not for the main story. Um. But I did get, like I said, a lot of my info from that Netflix documentary, Shadow of Truth. It's really good. Um, it's by Yotam Gundelman, Ari Pines, and uh, Micah Timor. And uh, then a story by Yadidya Ben-Or in Arutsheva, and by Roy Yanovsky in Ident News, and Eli Ashkenazi um, in uh, Haaretz. And those are all um, Israeli newspapers. Um, so, yeah, that's my story for episode 30. Can't believe we made it to fucking episode 30. <laughs> okay, so I'm doing something really, really different. Yeah, I love different things. Oh, yes, let me take, let me get prepared. I am now blind. I cannot read. Yeah, don't freaking read over my shoulder. I hate it. Okay, so <laughs> mine is about UFOs and shit. Ooh, UFOs. Nice. You are entering the Twilight Zone. That was uh, the Hunger Games. I've never seen the Hunger Games. It's good. It's a really. I think the movies are good. Anyway, so I'm going to talk about Skinwalker Ranch. Ooh, Skinwalker Ranch. So it's this place in Utah. Um, Ooh, Utah. Yeah, Utah's pretty... Utah, so creepy. Ooh, Mormons. Ooh, those Mormons. What are they going to do? I don't know. Salt Lake City. <laughs> what are they going to do? Are they going to work out again? Oh my god, it's so mysterious. Oh, are they going to give to charities? Oh, jeez. It's crazy. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I love just how Mormons are, like, aggressively, like, good people. <laughs> like, you know, no offense if you're a Mormon, but the religion's kind of kooky like it doesn't totally add up <laughs> like a lot of religions um but i do have to like say like they make like a real effort to be like really good people it's like part of their deal so i do appreciate that <laughs> anyway getting back to your story 
We were Jews who met with Christ. <laughs> we were all American. <laughs> right. Okay. I could sing that whole freaking song. Um, so Jackson if, County, Missouri. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Go the on, Garden, sorry. You mean the Garden of Eden? <laughs> That's what the Garden of Eden was, you guys. We didn't even know. I believe <laughs> okay, the Garden of Eden, Eden is in Jackson <laughs> County, Missouri. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> Skinwalker Ranch. Okay. Skinwalker skin Ranch. Ranch. Dude, this shit's. It's crazy. It's really crazy. Yeah. I don't know whether to believe it or not. I'm kind of weird about aliens. I think they're they're definitely there. There's something out there. But that's the mystery, right? Exactly. So, it it's also known as Sherman Ranch. It is located 512 acres southeast of Ballard, Utah. So it's kind of in the middle of freaking nowhere. It's surrounded by mountains and cliffs, and it's basically like a, a a basin. And it is home to the Ute Native tribe. And it's definitely one of the weirdest locations in the USA. Not only have there been, like, multiple UFO sightings, there are animal mutilations. Diff- there's reports of a, a, a portal to a different dimension. Um, crop circles, poltergeist, you fucking name it, Skinwalker Ranch has it. So this is like weirdo central. Yes. We need to go there. You can't. Damn. So people think there was like some top secret paranormal experiments and shit going on. It's the most heavily researched paranormal place in the world. Hmm. So we'll get to why that is. But it's like private property now and like... Uh. People, the people who are there don't want freaking weirdos walking around the place. That and, makes sense. And apparently the activity has decreased mm. in recent years. Um, which is interesting because uh, it's been like this UFO sighting place for years. Since like mm. the 50s. Mm. It's been like people have been record- reporting all types of weird shit. Interesting. So let's like start with the history it starts with the Navajo legend of the Skinwalker. So this immediately made me think of Supernatural and the Shapeshifters. Mm-hmm. A Skinwalker is a person, um, and because it's from Native American legend, legends, it's usually a Native American who can change form based on their needs. So they can, like, shapeshift into different whatevers. So based on their need, meaning they if they need to go a far distance and they, they want to fly... They can turn did, did, into you ever, a bird. Did, did you ever read Animorphs? No. Oh my god, that's the fucking story of Animorphs. <laughs> I love it. it um, <laughs> the covers turned me off. They were weird. <laughs> I liked them. <laughs> so they're they're hard to catch because they have like inhuman bursts of speed, uh, and they're only killed if they're injured in the neck region. Mm. Apparently, they can also read minds to know what scares people, so they can instill fear and that and that way control their victims. And they're like creepy and lurkers and shit like that. So the legend started just as Europeans began to move west, forcing Native American tribes to leave their homes. Classic white people shit. Um, and but uh, oh no, God, God told us it's fine. Yeah. 
He said so. It's fine. Oh, 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 you haven't heard of the Christian God? Oh, yeah. We'll uh, we'll tell you. It's fine. You've been here for thousands of years? Oh, it doesn't matter. Oh, you have your own God? Oh, that's so cute. Oh, yeah. Ours is better, though. So So real. You can tell because we have guns. Too real. (laughs) Our God's got guns, so (laughs) y'all better step off. During a Civil War attack on the Navajo, the land was cursed um, because y'all were fucking up the place. So, I like how you act like it's everyone except for Chloe. <laughs> like, Chloe was, like, the one person who had nothing to do with, nope. like, America's colonial sins. Nope. <laughs> uh, <laughs> some funny. say a skinwalker was created in the process, and it lives in a place called Shadow Canyon. And uh, the Ute tribe, they avoid this area at all costs. They don't go there. Their feet... For fear of angering the the, the skinwalker, the, the spirits, the the weird energy that's over there. So weird. You can tell the energy's weird because it's it says weird. That's how you know. And what says weird? We the energy. This oh. Is, oh, that was the energy talking. I didn't mention that. I don't think you made that weird. clear. Okay. Um, so, <laughs> shaman healer Michael Romanov believes that there is also a portal to another dimension located in the heart of the basin. Quote, where the past meets the future. Mm. And there's been, like, reports of, like, hovering doors and shit like that, but... That sounds some, like... Some of, the, some of the stories are much more, like, out uh-huh. there, and some of them are, like, plausible. Right. There's, like, a whole range of, like, crazy shit. So, where the past meets the future... Sounds like it should be like the the like byline for like uh, the Lincoln Museum or something. <laughs> like, oh yeah, it sounds like some like history display. It does. Where the past meets the future. Like it being like written in like a gold plaque or something. Yeah, something like that. So in August of 1978, there was a mass sighting of a UFO seen 10 miles from the ranch. So I mean mass sighting as in like a ton, a shit ton of people saw it. And this isn't like the only time that this has happened. Like a lot of people have seen this one thing. So um We could do a whole episode just about mass sightings. Yeah, that'd be cool. Yeah. So I'm reading um from the archives of the Deseret News published Monday, September 4th in 1978. The it is um an article written by Andrea Granham, and I'm going to start with the first guy. So, quote, Dale Wood, 13, a student at Vernal Junior High School, was the first to see the large silver object near his grandmother's home about seven miles northeast of Roosevelt about 10.30 p.m. August 11th while walking to his grandmother's trailer home. He could hear the sound of a finely tuned purring engine dale said he looked up to the horizon and was surprised to see a silver dome-shaped object it was surrounded by an intense green light that was jagged like the flames of a fire and then like the main the like picture is like uh, something that he drew it's like w- the what the top of it looked like hmm. and then he drew like a side view and then he like goes to his grandma blah 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 and i also wanted to read about um, Mrs. Rasmussen, who also saw it, and she went to, she, con- quote, contacted Junior Hicks, a science teacher at Roosevelt's West Junior High School, who has gained some fame in the field of UFO, UFO investigation since 1968. He has personally investigated more than 400 sightings in the Uintah Basin. 
So, and we'll talk more about him later. Um, so, 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 in 19, this is where, like, a lot of the research and the escalation of these sightings started. So, in 1994, Terry and Gwen Sherman and their children moved themselves and their cattle into the 480-acre ranch. They're like, oh my gosh, this place is so nice. How, we got it for such a great price. I don't understand why nobody's here. Oh, blah, blah. <laughs> Classic. That's like the classic start to a horror movie. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, basically, they wanted to have a successful cattle ranch where they raised like prized cattle, like thousands of dollars and shit like that. And they just wanted to raise their children in a nice, peaceful place. But that didn't happen. Spoiler alert. So they're the ones that had like this experience. When they first started to fix up the ranch, they noticed weird things. Many, many weird things, like the amount of padlocks inside and outside doors that they had to remove. Um, And the first night, as they were standing on the porch with Terry's father, Ed, they saw a huge wolf, easily 200 plus pounds. And I got a lot of this information from a little mini um, YouTube um, documentary slash uh, podcast thing. Um, And it said that the two men were like, over six feet tall and it was like easily like chest height and it acted like a lost pet and apparently began like brushing up against like the two men and like purr and not purring but like whining and the kids were like oh let's keep it oh it's so cute but then the wolf turned its head and noticed the cattle and went over to one of the cattle bit it by the head and tried to pull it through its head through the fence so the dad gets his guns out he shoots it three times no no injuries nothing he released his hold on then the injury or um the uh the wolf released his hold on the calf and that was shot a fourth time in the heart still wasn't harmed so the dad got out his fucking shotgun and he shot hit the wolf twice seemed to injure him a little bit and it finally walked away so that it was like this weird like invincible fucking wolf thing Um, They saw other shit, like they saw strange hovering orbs and like balls of light. And they also talked about how they were kind of like intelligent, like they would chase these like cars. There were like lights that would like chase cars and like take a weird interest in humans. And like some other articles that I read about people who looked into it, there was a theory that said these were like the the trap the travelers and this was like a way this was like some sort of alien vehicle or some or some shit like that so um they also would hear voices directly above their heads they saw faces in the windows that eventually turned into apparitions that would stand in front of their bed everybody was having nightmares they couldn't sleep objects would disappear and reappear somewhere else like there's a specific little story of gwen who's the wife um, she's like unpacking groceries and putting things away and she turns around and all the groceries are put back in the bag, like just by themselves, stuff like that. Poltergeist type shit. Mm-hmm. There's an unexplained musky scent that begins to gain strength and things got even weirder when they began finding their cattle severely mutilated. It was bizarre. There were genital mutilations and there was one cattle that had an eye removed just the uh, there was like a big gaping hole and it was like surgical 
Yeah. Weird. Your face is very like, what the fuck? Yeah, that's my what the fuck face. Yeah. (laughs) Then these cattle began disappearing. He lost 20% of his cattle in one year, which is horrible, horrible for business. These were prize cattle that were extremely expensive, and they seemed to disappear without a trace, leaving only footprints. Um, bright tropical birds were spotted in the trees. They would hang around there. The dogs acted very weird. They didn't leave their houses. They were very secluded and timid. Six of their outdoor cats disappeared in one night. One of the in one night, one of the dogs um, chased after this mysterious light, and they 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 didn't fall they waited and they heard the dogs yelping in the distance and when when they went to go look for them they couldn't find them at all they gave up and the next morning they found three scorched circles in the ground with gooey liquefied flesh in the center that was what? All. so this is some supernatural salmon dean hunting shit oh yeah um that's like the only way i can explain it explain it so this Lucy, you got some explaining to do. Oh my god! <laughs> uh, you gonna drink some water? Yes. Water break. This is the water break song. So, when Chloe gets water, I sing this song. I got the water. I'm all as well. Uh, so this affected the family's sleep. It affected their like their psychology, their social lives, and because they're fucking cattle were mysteriously disappearing they were going bankrupt so they they told their story um but there wasn't much people could do because people also didn't generally listen to them until yeah. two years later in 1996 a billionaire named robert bigelow isn't that a billionaire name yeah <laughs> my name is robert bigelow <laughs> i have a billion dollars he bought <laughs> he bought the ranch from the shermans for only two hundred thousand dollars. Jesus. Yeah, and it's like a it's four hundred and eighty acres for only two hundred thousand dollars. Yeah, in nineteen ninety six. That's still pretty fucking insane. Yeah. So the previous year, um, a research team had formed. It was called the National Institute for the Discovery of Science, aka NIDS. Um, it was a group of psychologists, engineers, chemists, physicists, biologists. Um, so it was Robert Bigelow's corporation. He moved those scientists in. They locked down the place. They brought in state-of-the-art equipment. They hired former military security guards to keep it protected. Um, Sh- Sherman decided to stay on as ranch manager and take care of the cattle, which the researchers used as bait. So after, so basically after it was bought by this dude, uh, this team of scientists moved in and they started some serious research of various fringe science, the paranormal, and lots of ufology. Yeah, go ufologists. Ufologists. Woo! Love um, those ufologists. These guys were fucking nuts, though. Uh, Shout out to Henry Zabrowski. Is he a ufologist? Uh, Yeah. I believe he's a card-carrying uh, ufologist. Card-carrying? Wow. I believe they will send you a card if you give them, like, 200 bucks or something. That's pretty good. <laughs> or something like that. Okay, so let's talk about some of the people here. Dr. Colm A. Kel- I want to say Keller, but it's, like, Kelleher. Kelleher? <laughs> Kelleher. I think it, it was Kelleher. Dr. No, Colm it'll just be Keller. Kelleher, biochemist. Mm. 
He's got 15 years of research in cell and in cells and uh, molecular and molecules and shit like that. He's one. Of, he's one of the. That's exactly how he would describe science, it. Science, right? Science thing. He's a science guy. He is one of the researchers. Him and other researchers inspected the cattle and found no outward signs of death because at this point they were too decomposed. Another main guy, George Knapp, who's a journalist, he joined the team and he becomes a uh, a pretty big staple in this in investigation and getting the word out and telling like what the fuck is going on here. Actually, him and uh, George Knapp and Kelleher, they Kelleher, <laughs> shut up. I'm pretty sure it's Keller. Kelleher. I don't think it's Kelleher. Keller. <laughs> they wrote a book together. Okay. So, during this time, they went on exhibitions in pairs of two to just, like, go check shit out. One night, uh, George Knapp, our journalist, saw a bright yellow orb of light. He was, like, with his team of light shoot out from behind a ridge. It moved as fast as a jet airplane and what was weird that it circled in a perfect 360 loop and then disappeared. Um, and this happened a lot on the ranch uh, with their documentations. Their photos were blurry. They never turned out right. Cameras would break. Technology would just stop working. Isn't that like Supernatural too? Yes. Yeah. Um, I think what we're learning today is that Supernatural is a documentary. Oh, <laughs> it's not a fictional series at all. Not at all. <laughs> so, the cattle. In January 1997, activity began to escalate. The cattle mut- mutilations got worse, and they got way more bizarre. Um, so after like this intense snowstorm, negative 30 degree type weather, three calves were found with odd wounds on their ears and their eyes. So two of them had had like cir- like circles of skin cut out like um around their eyes and the other had um his ears cut off as though with scissors. Ooh. And the vet who came in said that they had never seen anything like this before. This this is crazy. And usually during snowstorms predators stayed away. Hmm. So what the fuck is going on at Skinwalker Ranch? <laughs> Lots of weird shit. So, and then a month later, there was another mutilation, and this time it was in broad daylight. They found an eighty their uh, dead calf, eighty five pounds. He was missing internal organs, entirely drained of blood, and it had, was missing a leg, its dismembered leg. It was like moved up towards the right of the body, and um, the mother of the calf definitely saw what happened she was acting weird she was very upset she was standing in the corner with her head down the dogs acted weird too like they had witnessed something um one of the calf's ears was missing and uh cut neatly down to the skull like surgical precision it was the ear with the yellow id tag too um and it was never found once they like looked all over the place um, so the same night, the dog started barking again and the family was alert, alerted, but there was no, they couldn't see anything. There was no visible causation. They inspected the area and they found an injured cow underneath a tree 
And when they inspected the area, they looked up above and they saw amber eyes glowing in the tree above. They thought it was a cat. So, of course, because they're, you know, a ton of white guys and they, like, take their guns <laughs> out, start plop, plop, and start shooting it. But it disappears. It was probably the Cheshire Cat. You know what? It's Wonderland. Maybe that's it. Maybe it's actually Wonderland. And Ranch. they saw the door one time. Maybe it was actually, you know... The Cheshire Cat. I don't know. I don't know what I was going to say. Um, Sorry, go on. <laughs> and they went searching for it, but they never found tracks. They never found evidence of anything being there. Mm-hmm. They found a weird footprint. looked like a giant bird of prey. It had two sharp claw marks. It was six inches in diameter. And then they found another one 20 feet away. And from the depth of the print, they determined that it had to be a pretty freaking heavy animal. So they found one here and then another one 20 feet away, but nothing in between? Nope. That's very strange. Yes. More weird things. This is a weird place. It is a weird, very weird place. And there's a... And of course there's a horror film based off of it. Oh, cool. What is it called? Guess. It's gonna walk a ranch? Yes. Okay, of course it is. <laughs> Why wouldn't it be called anything else? So, moving on. Uh, later in that year, Sherman's... Uh, bulls went missing. All four of them. Um, and it's weird because bull you can't bulls aren't like easily maneuvered. Like that shit takes planning. You got to get, get yourself a shepherd. A shepherd. Um, so they can't just like disappear. Mm-hmm. Um, they looked all over the place, but uh, they couldn't find them. And out of just on a whim, uh. Terry Sherman uh, checked in the cattle trailer, and they were tightly loaded in the cattle's trailer. The trailer was, what was weird was the trailer was still locked, and it had wire coiled around the clasp. Cobwebs were on the doorway because it wasn't used much in the first place, so it's perceived that that it was done without moving the door. Um, And this trailer's small. It's a, it's, it's small, so it's impossible. It's almost impossible to fit one, let alone four. Um, the bulls were agitated when they uh, came out, uh, and it was reported that they came out of a quote trance-like state. Hmm. Hmm is right. Very strange. So, um, they found that the. <laughs> Thank you, Shrain. We appreciate your song. This is a no honking zone. Yeah, aren't they not supposed to honk this late at yeah, night? Yeah, there was a sign that says no train horn. Anyway. Yeah. Um, 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 okay, so they found the bars of the trailer were highly magnetized as well. Hmm. They started doing measurements, and they watched for 48 hours until it went, It just decreased and eventually reached just a reading of zero. Um and they randomly picked up more high readings throughout the ranch, um, around the ranch. And uh, just throughout the next few days, they looked at these readings. And they also found that the higher the readings um, in the area, the weirder the animals, like the dogs and the cattle, started acting. They were the ones who were the reacting the most. And it seemed that though, as though they were like... Um, like the dogs were barking at things and they were focused on something as though it, they were looking at something we couldn't see or felt something that we couldn't feel. Hmm. Um, 
So the researchers started though, watching the animals. They started watching them more closely. And they noticed other weird shit like padlocks unlocking and the doors to the pens opening by themselves and animals escaping. So basically... I got, so yeah, I got my info from, um, this cute little YouTube documentary, um, called Skinwalker Ranch, the most paranormal place on earth, parts one and two, um, and it's from, like, a channel called Strange Yet Two Stories on YouTube, and, uh, the narrator says it's, um, uh, read from a woman named Joni Mahan's original written account. I also looked at Wikipedia, I looked at some articles, but I wanted to read this last quote oh, okay. <laughs> I didn't know you by a guy named Junior Hicks, and we talked about him earlier, he's the professor. So, retired school teacher, this is from George Knapp, uh, our journalist, his article that was written um, in the Las Vegas Mercury, November 21st, 2002. Retired school teacher Junior Hicks is the area's unofficial historian for all things weird. He's cataloged 400 or so incidents, most of them involving UFO sightings, but says there have been thousands of other cases. And Hicks estimates at least half of the 50,000 residents of this basin have seen weird things in the sky. Flying saucers, cigar-shaped craft, zigzagging balls of light, so many different objects that local police and the highway patrol long ago stopped taking reports. <laughs> many of the lawmen have been witnesses themselves. Hicks and members of his family have witnessed their own UFO events over the years. Quote, the UFO activity really started getting intense in the early 50s, Hicks says. Quote, there were cases where the whole school and all the teachers saw these things hovering over the town in broad daylight. In the 60s and 70s, we probably had more UFO sightings than any place in the world. End quote. Hmm. Hmm. So if you want to see a real UFO, I guess... Well, not anymore. You said it's, like, all slowed down by this point, right? But, yeah, there have definitely definitely been other mass sightings of UFOs. Like, yeah, we should probably talk about that in a later episode. That would be cool. We've been talking about doing, like, a full-on UFO episode. But, like, yeah. It's that, a lot. That would be a lot. That would be, like, a big undertaking. <laughs> Maybe we will tackle it some other time. It'll, I think have. that's going to be later. You know, so later. are you ready for weird, weird shit, shit in, in the, the news. news? Weird, weird shit, shit in the news. news. Weird, weird shit. Weird shit. Weird shit in the news. Weird shit in the news. That's in the news. The weird shit. So I'll just go first. Okay. I feel like we have had many stories involving poop. Yes, yes. I have Some scatological one. shit in the news. I have another one. So here's an article from theantimedia.com. Uh, written by Carrie Wedler. Uh, the title is Poop Parasite in McDonald's Salads Sickens 163 People in 10 States. Oh. Yeah, so it's called... It's a recent outbreak, and it's in the lettuce. Um, It's called... Where is it? Kololo. Hold on. That's not a very scientific name. Kololo. Thanks, thanks for listening, by the way, y'all. <laughs> just you know always uh gotta give thanks to the listeners and yes. the people who write these articles that we take shit from yes. <laughs> thank you so much um anyway i can't i can't find what it's called but it uh it's a fecal parasite in the salads um it's in the tainted lettuce and they also talked about in the article how like 
In 2016, it's re- it was reported that their kale salad had more calories and sodium than a big, big Mac. Oh, my God. Oh, cyclospora. Cyclospora outbreak. Um, it started in early May. It was under c- control for a while, but um, it spread. Those symptoms include diarrhea, loss of appetites, cramping, nausea, and fatigue. Uh, cool. Thanks for the PSA. Don't eat uh, at McDonald's. Ever. Anything. I love McDonald's. Don't do it. <laughs> Chloe likes McDonald's a lot. I like McDonald's for breakfast. I only have McDonald's when I'm on the go. Okay, so my story... On the go. Yes, okay, sorry. on the go. Uh, it's from Yahoo Sports. It's by Ryan Young. And the title is Stray Cat Sprints Onto Field Mid-Inning During Reds Pirates Game in Cincinnati. You crazy cat. So, a cat happened to find, wend its way into the, uh, you know, ballpark, um, the Great American Ballpark, in fact, uh, in Cincinnati, and during the fourth inning, it decided to, you know, go out onto the field, have a, a little try at the game, you know, maybe he'll take over at third base, who knows, um, but what it actually did was looked really confused and while it was trying to find a way to get off the field, it actually ran right behind home plate just as the uh, batter was hitting a ball. <laughs> so you can see there's like a little video that goes along with it, which you can see if you look it up. And the the cat starts like sprinting and then it, it like obviously hears the like the sound of the bat and then like w- goes off a different way. <laughs> and it eventually jumped up into the stands and uh, it was totally fine. <laughs> but I would have loved that. I would have like... Oh, come over here. I'll pet you while I'm watching the game. <laughs> All right. Do you have anything else that's happy? That's happy? Yeah. Oh. Um, I have, like, a sad one, but it's, like, crazy. Oh, well, that was the only one I was going to do. Well, I just, I, like, just found this one. Oh, okay, go. Okay. Do it. Are you ready? Yeah. So, this actually happened in April, but I'm still going to read it. Um, It's from Hindustan Times. Monkey attacks woman at railway platform. She flees and is run over by a train. (gasps) Oh my god. Yeah, it's fucked. And it says, this is the second time a person has died in the last five months while fleeing from simians. So a 43-year-old woman was run over by an oncoming train while she was fleeing from a monkey that had attacked her at Hemper Depot Railway Station in Uttarakhand's Udham Singh Nagar district. Uh, da, da, da. <laughs> uh. She was sitting on a bench <laughs> in the shade of a tree at the station when a monkey jumped up, jumped on her. <gasps> um, attacked the woman when she tried to shoot away. Panicked, the woman frantically ran towards the railroad, the railway tracks where she was hit by an on- oncoming train. Oh. Yeah, that's uh, that's pretty fucked up. The monkeys roam around in packs of 100 to 200. Locals have changed their routes out of fear. It's crazy. That's pretty crazy. Pounced upon moving bikes, leading riders to fall off their vehicles. Yeah. What are are these like gremlins or like what's know, going right? on here? <laughs> like I don't understand. <laughs> what? Okay, I guess. The city doesn't just, like, clear the map. I, I, I don't get it. It's okay. very odd. It's very kind of strange. But, you know, again, I don't, you know, I don't live there. So I probably shouldn't talk. <laughs> so I don't know. 
Um, yeah, uh, good. Um, so we're probably pretty much done, right? Um, yeah. I think we, I think that was good. That was a full episode. Um, again, thank you guys so much for listening. Like, you are the sunshine. Um, you are my sunshine. You, no, I'm not going to start singing it. Um, but yeah, we really appreciate it. And, uh, yeah, visit our Instagram. Um, all of our, uh, bullshits, as they would say on the, on the last podcast on the left. Um, Patreon page, uh, patreon.com slash mystery murder thingy. Uh, we got our Weird News Volume 4 up there. Uh, we're going to be doing another one of those yes. every single fucking week, okay? We are doing it every single week, even if no one ever listens to them. Your loss. <laughs> um, and, you know, we got one that we're going to record tomorrow, so more weird shit. If you love the weird shit in the news, Yay. get the Weird News Extra, because it's awesome. Uh, it's very loose. We just hang out. You're just hanging out with us. You know, it's even looser than the episode we just did. <laughs> so, <laughs> look forward to that. So, yeah, come yeah. hang out with us. That's a, that's a good tagline for it, I think. Come hang out with us and experience the weird news extra. Um, what else? Anything else? Nope. Okay, good. Oh, that's creepy. Oh, I see. Um, okay. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Thanks, y'all. Bye. Tell your friends. Oh, yeah. Tell your friends. Tell all all your friends. Every single one. Bye. All your friends. Bye. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.